Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Leadership Talks podcast. I'm Wilco Nascimento. I'm your host. And today I have a very special guest. How Moronta, welcome. Well, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. I've seen your podcast everywhere and I, I really enjoy it. I really like what you're doing. So I'm glad that, that we get a chance to connect today. Oh my gosh, of course. And I'm so glad that you see it everywhere, you know, because that's the point. Like we need to be, uh, you know, seen, right? Like this is one of the platforms that, you know, it's out there, it's free for everyone and you just need to be creative and, you know, start uh, your digital marketing journey. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that that your podcast, you know, it's funny because it's, it's uh, I've done a few, uh, obviously, but the, you know, yours is very real and you're very real. And obviously we follow you and, and uh, on LinkedIn and you're, you know, you enjoy traveling, which, you know, all of us do. And I, I, I it makes me smile every time I see your face somewhere in New York or somewhere in, in Brazil having fun and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, the other day, and I appreciate, you know, your kind words. Um, the other day, actually, I was catching up with an uh, old general manager that I worked with. And he said, Wilka, you know, you look like you're having fun, you know, all the time. I see you somewhere. I'm like, guys, I show what people want to see. You don't want to know my struggles. <laughs> <laughs> it's part oh, of I, you, you know. <laughs> I feel your pain. I feel your pain. You know, it, it's it's funny. We, we do this for a living. And um, I'm probably going to rack up over 200,000 miles, um, you know, in the last 12 months. And, and what people don't obviously realize is that, you know, yes, you go and yes, you have dinners and um, you have breakfast and you be with clients and things like that. But, you know, the the late nights and the uh, uh, the late flights and the middle seats and uh, the Ubers that you have to take. Uh, I mean, th there's a lot of work that that takes uh, 200,000 miles flown in a year. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm not quite there yet. How, you know, I'm working. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I wanted to touch touch bases with you today. And, you know, as the show is Leadership Talks, right? And you've been in the hospitality industry for some time. Um, so what do you think, you know, is the 2023 overview for the hospitality globally? Very good question. Um, it's a little bit differently for U.S. versus um, other parts of the world. Um, and the reason why, if you think about the economy, the way the economy hit different parts of the world is very different. Uh, right now, even Asia is just starting to travel internationally. Um, U.S. Um, got hit, obviously, with COVID later than most countries. And U.S. probably rebounded the fastest. Um, and U.S. started to travel quite a bit. Uh, in fact, if you think about the fact that the, the the strength of the dollar compared to the euro has significantly improved or increased the ability for, for U.S. travelers to go overseas, right? That would eventually happen, uh, translate, obviously, into the U.S. in, in 2023 and 2024. Uh, but in general, I think that we've all had a, a big reset. Um, if you think about... You know, we've eliminated a number of positions. Uh, when demand came back, came back very strong on, on the average trade side, not on the occupancy side. And I think a lot of the basic positions 
did not come back. There was a, a big push for um, automation. There was a big push for technology. And that I think it is going to significantly change how we look at hospitality moving forward. Um, in the past, I think you would have had um, most brands and hotels were timid about adopting certain technology. Now that we've automated a number of that, and I said that in, in, in a, another conversation I had with somebody the other day, that um, leadership is going to become a lot more critical because those leaders are going to be the ones now um, helping individuals grow in their careers, helping motivate the associates, uh, helping um, you know, teach them the ropes. There's a significant amount of people that have left the industry um, that have not come back. And, and a number of associates now are new to the industry. And they're excited about what the industry can provide, but they have no context. And that is what I think GASA's leaders need to be able to provide and said, you know, I have a long career in hospitality. I've enjoyed every bit of it. Um, and here's what ha could happen to you two, three, four, five years down the line if you stay in it, if you love it, and if you keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. And I love what you said about, you know, the the currency is stronger, right? Because uh, actually when I was in Brazil, I, I could feel it. Uh, but also, you know, it's really, you know, it, it blows my mind, like the cost of living, you know, for the Brazilians. And I'm like, thank God I have, you know, American dollars here because everything was just, uh, you know, so much more expensive than a year ago when I was also there. Um, but I, I like the way, you know, you put it out there. The leadership is going to be key, right, for the future in Absolutely. hospitality. And this is in branded hotel independence, you name it, in my opinion, right? Uh, but now, what is the leadership style that you think is going to be successful in, you know, after the pandemic and so on? Oh, a very good question. I think that somebody having uh, uh, what they call EQ or emotional intelligence is extremely important. Um, and in no other time in our industry have we, we seen a significant disparity between um, the different um, um, the different types of people that are coming into into organization, right? We talk about millennials, and then we talk about you know baby boomers, and we talk about you know the the silent generation. You're having a situation now where, for example, baby boomers are the ones who own hotels, who uh, own funds, who own private equity, who um, have again the vast majority of the capital, right? Our generation is the one managing it, right? The generation of that is coming up now, millennials are the ones that are going to be the largest workforce. Well, they all work very, very differently. And at some point, you have to be able to adapt to that, uh, that mentality. Um, you know, the, the new generation is very tech savvy, uh, not just that, but it's more liberal. Um, you know, the quality of life becomes a significantly more important part of their, their, uh, their environment. I mean, if you actually look at now, the majority of people that you hire are gonna say, well, I, I want quality of life, uh, not just a career. When I went to college, we said we wanted a career. We wanted a lifelong career. We wanted to be successful. And we we worked hard and we probably um, didn't spend too much time and energy in in being happy, let's call it that. Uh, the new generation wants a more, a more balanced approach. 
And sometimes that is some of the things that is becoming a little bit an issue, um, the, the generational gap, because again, some of the older generation don't understand why the millennials think or do the way things they, they want to do. So for us, we have to be able to understand emotional intelligence and be able to understand how do I translate, how do I motivate a millennial? How do I uh, motivate the generation that is coming up in a way that says, how do I uh, instill in them loyalty for the organization? Um, how do I um, provide a little bit more patience? I mean, if you think about it, uh, most of them say, well, two, three years, I'm getting tired. I want to do something else, right? That was not how we grew up. Uh, you know, in, in, when I started in the industry, you would be in a job two, three, four, five years. Um, our parents would have been in a job for 40, 50 years. That's not the case right now. And that churn of staffing, um, you know, again, is something that we now need to deal with. Um, you know, again, quality of life when it comes down to mental health is another, um, you know, uh, something that we're, we're dealing with now. Uh, you know, in some cases, for example, associates take a little bit harder time uh, dealing with personal issues and things like that. In the past, we were trained to say, you know, plow through it and you'll be fine. Um, well, now we need to be able to understand that. And those things, I think, are going to be the ones that, as a leader, we need to be able to understand, right? To say, okay, I, I get you. I get what you what what you need. Understanding each individual um, in the way they want to be motivated. Uh, I suppose in the past, you would have probably had a, a less patience for it. Uh, that is key. Uh, and not just that, but for example... You know, to me, hospitality, I'm in the hotel business. As you know, my wife is in the hotel business. We've only worked in hotel business. For us, it's a passion. For us, it's something that is a calling no different than if you would be a, um, a doctor or lawyer, right? New generations have a very different view of that because they would perceive, you know what, I'm going to be in banking, but I really like hotel business. I'm going to be here in three, four years, but then I'm going to go into uh, digital marketing and social media and things like that. You know, they have a different view of what what their career path would look like. And I think we have to be able to understand that as well and be able to provide to them said, you know, here's, you know, you may, may not be able to be in this job for a long time, but you can be in the industry for a long time. You can be within the company for a long time. And now we need to be able to find a way to provide career path for them. Oh my gosh, how the way you're laying down everything. If you know, if we talked probably about five years ago, we would be working together now. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, you know, actually my New York days, um, I was actually I remember this, you, you know, I was interviewing with a hotel owner and he looked at my resume and he was like, how come you've been two years in one job and then another two years? I was like, I go where the opportunity is, my friend. You know, show me the money. Yeah. I'll show you what I got. Are you going to be motivated or you're going to be uh, criticizing, right? Like in a very harsh way, I can tell. Because, you know, of course, um, being a Latina, being from Brazil, for me, it's like, oh, I'm going to work in California. Cool. I've changed countries, changing states is nothing. So, yep. and uh, understanding this um, eagerness to be better and learn more and do better is definitely, you know, part of this particular gap that some people, right, don't have, don't know the flats, 
yet, which, you know, um, the staffing issues says a lot about it. But obviously, we're not here to talk about me. I want to talk about you, how I want to know, in terms of, you know, you said passion. How long have you been in the industry and what is exactly, you know, where you're going to be maybe in five years from now? Oh, God, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I feel like I'm being interviewed here somehow. <laughs> so I, I went to college for hotel school. I Me went, too. graduated from um, high school and I went straight into hotel school in the Dominican Republic. Um I did came to the United States and did my master's. Um, I graduated from college in '92, and I have I have worked. I have not had a full time job outside of the the hotel business. Never mind hospitality hotel business. I have not worked in any other full time job other than that. Um, and I and I I love it. I mean, I from the day from day one. I mean, you you get into a place where I have probably worked in probably eight, nine different hotels, but I've worked with in, in regional and multi-property capacity with probably over 300 properties, uh, maybe more than that, um, in some way, shape or form, right? And, and, and that's the greatest part of our industry that I started in small hotels, you know, started in, in um, a small Sheraton hotel in, um, what is it, in, um, in the Northeast, uh, in revenue management. Um, but prior to that, I've done some operational roles. And every hotel that I went to, it was different. And every time I learned something unique. And I can be either at the same position at a bigger hotel or at a different position in the same hotel. It's very different. Um, and you learn different things on it. And, and not just that, but this is a, a, a human-heavy um, industry where... You know, is my brother, I always tell the story that my brother's an engineer, right? And my brother's role is actually um, quality control. And he watches the raw product on one side, and somehow he ends up with a product on the other side, right? And there are a number of machines that work in between. For us, you know, think about a, a burger. If you're at a hotel and you order room service, you're going to have to pick up the phone, call a PBX operator, that person needs to, you know, get the order. That person needs to give it to the chef. That chef needs to cook the meal. Then you're going to have somebody who's going to uh, put it in a tray, deliver it to you, and then you somehow at the end when you're done, you're going to put your tray outside and somebody else is going to pick it up. That's a number of people for a $20 burger. You know, that doesn't happen in any of the industries. And through that process, you meet a lot of people. You meet a lot of, of great, very interesting and life love friends. Every one of my friends is somehow related or tied to the hospitality industry. Um, in that part, I don't know that I could have seen it in banking. I don't know that I would have seen it in any other industry because, again, it is a people business serving other people. Wow. Amazing. Where do you see yourself in five years? Five, uh, hopefully where I am Don't tell me Punta Cana. Don't tell me Punta Cana relaxing. <laughs> no, you know, that is one of the things that my wife and I have talked quite a bit about. And I said, you know what, I, you know, I'm probably going to go, um, you know, from my job somehow to the hospital and to the cemetery. <laughs> I will work. I will work all the way. Um, I think obviously at some point I'm nowhere near 
um, retirement. I mean, I love the industry too much. Um, you know, hopefully I would be in the same, uh, you know, same company that I am, certainly in the same industry. Um, I think that that there's a lot that can be done. Um, and even if it is in my later years, I think that I would be probably serving in some capacity in the industry, whether it would be in on the partner vendor side or again, in one of the other organizations. I think that the industry, this industry has provided me and my family a lot of benefits and a lot of, uh, you know, great stuff. And I think it, it comes a time when you start evaluating your life and you say, well, maybe it's time for me to start giving back. Um, so I think at some point I'll probably end up in, um, you know, I would love to be uh, involved in any of the organizations uh, because I think that, that again, I want to bring, uh, give back, give back to, the new generation and build a new set of leaders that are coming up. Absolutely. I was uh, looking to get like an answer, like, Hey, I'm going to own like five hotels, X, Y, Z brands, you know, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, I would not mind, um, you know, owning a hotel um, or two, but you know, as you probably know, a, a hotel is a pretty, pretty capital intensive uh, business. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's funny, we work with a lot of owners and, and investors, and uh, I, I find it fascinating how with very little capital, they have found ways to be able to fund uh, the cap, uh, the capital stack of a hotel and be able to buy it. Um, you know, so you never know. You never know. But I think that that would be probably a side project for me. Okay. Okay. Got it. I was just trying to get some inside info here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but, uh, you know, I also appreciate that, uh, you know, you mentioned that you're going to give back, you know, to the new generation of hoteliers out there. Uh, but also, you know, I think this is one way, right, like uh, the podcast and having these uh, conversations, you know, because also soon around the corner is the Hispanic Heritage Month coming up. Right. And we both are from different countries and we've been working in the United States. So do you see um, an influx also of immigrants working in our industry? Uh, I know that it has, you know, been very much so in the past, but uh, what is your outlook for the future? You know, I think that finally um, you're getting not just the first generation, but second gener generation Hispanics that are actually making a lot of inroads. Um, you know, I came in um, again in 1994 in Boston. Um, I was always the only or one of the very few Hispanics that were in any um, managers meeting, board meetings, uh, things like that. Uh, while you still had that, you know, 80% of the, for example, the, the housekeeping staff would be Hispanic, or you would have uh, the kitchen would be Hispanics and things like that. You somehow you had a ceiling and you had a ceiling in, in not being able to move up. Um, you know, lately I have gone, we have a number of, of general managers uh, that have come through the ranks. Uh, we actually have a number of them in my current company. Um, and they're coming up and having a lot more um, um courage to come in and said, I want to do something. I want to do more than that. As you know, they would usually come in on the housekeeping side, but you've seen again, a lot of those second generation Hispanics that have said, you know what, I, um, I can see the value in the industry. And because again, what you're going to find now is where 
in the past, it might have been a handicap to be Hispanic. And I wouldn't say handicap, but but um, the the new Hispanics have both the business mind and the ability to connect with the line level associates. And mm-hmm. that is extremely important. You know, if you look at a general manager who is trying to do as much as, uh, as, as he or she can and goes to a housekeeping meeting and cannot speak English, and he or she is trying to motivate the associates to say, you know what, well, we had great you know, guest service scores and you know, here's a new benefit and things like that. Sometimes that um, limitation on the language prevents them from being great leaders, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, if you look at it, I think I looked at about close to 40% of our associates in the field right now are Hispanic or some sort of a Hispanic descent. So anybody who has in the future the ability to successfully communicate their leadership to others, whether you're Hispanic or not, it is going to be extremely important for us moving forward. Wow, that's amazing. So looks like 40%, it's a nice number. Maybe I have a chance in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. You're on your way already. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I, I make, uh, you know, um, this actually a point, um, you know, to highlight because actually I just had a wonderful conversation uh, with a gentleman that has this um Actually, a huge shout out to him. His name is Kim Okamara that, you know, right now in the month of February, we are, I'm doing a Black Excellence Series for Black History Month. Um, and we were talking about this, you know, where you come from and how you connect with people. That's That's it. That's all the leadership needs, right? But also, it doesn't matter how is the color of my skin or how is my accent, right? And I remember I worked, you know, in many hotels, um, believe it or not. And I had somebody actually, she asked me if I translated, you know, when I hear something in English, if I translate it to Portuguese and then I translate back in my mind, I'm like, I'm I'm sorry, what are you talking about? (laughs) I don't translate anything. It comes naturally. It's, you know, it's, it's, automatically how about that yeah (laughs) so for me but you know like when somebody asked me that and I'm like wow I've been in the U.S. for some time and don't you dare try to undermine my abilities right because that question I don't know right in terms of if it was uh her intentions or not but also is the way you put the message out there for the receiver so you know definitely that was a once in a lifetime uh, <laughs> and we addressed at the time, but, you know, I think having this, um, multicultural flair in your team is definitely a plus because, Hey, your guests are not just, you know, domestic, they are international, right? You have people from all over the world, regardless, you know, whatever your hotel is located. Um, and I can testify because I worked right on, on property for many years, and I even like I had a, this hotel in Baltimore where I started my career. The ownership was um, he was Egyptian and he was partner with an Indian gentleman. And we talked to this day. So he always like, hey, Wilka, let me know when you're in Baltimore. I'm like, no, we are not talking at this time <laughs> because I'm very busy with my schedule. 
but you know we have conversations over the phone and and so on and back then you know when I was green right like as we call it in in the industry I had no idea that the 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 lingo of the hotel right um but hey I love the training opportunities that many of the brands have you know the the management companies they have many training opportunities as well so every training possible you know if it was online in person you name it I was believe me I was there and I was asking those questions <laughs> you know? yeah you know I I can tell you there's a story that 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 always resonates in my mind. Um, I had a situation when I worked in Boston uh, and I remember a, um, it was a Hispanic uh, bellman um, who again, at the time, I think I was existing executive housekeeper or something like that. And, and again, there were not that many Hispanics on the manager level. And and he said to me one, one time, he said, you know what, I am very, I'm very happy that, you know, you are a great Hispanic professional. Well, that sounded right in my mind. I said to him, I said, look, I am a professional. That I happen to be Hispanic is secondary. And I think the reason why I mentioned that is because, um, you know, uh, us as Hispanics, you, we consider, we made the decision for whatever reason to be in the United States. And we have to, we work in the, in the American environment. You know, the, the, the mistake that sometimes we make is that we say, well, I am living in the United States, but I'm going to think like a Hispanic and to have Hispanic rules. That doesn't quite work, right? And for the longest time, um, again, my goal was to, I needed to outsmart, I needed to outwork anybody else in there, regardless of, of my heritage, because my heritage is secondary. Unless I can use it as a benefit in a job where I was speaking Spanish, I was not a his. I wanted to avoid the Hispanic label because what that means is that you somehow are not at the same level. You know, it's 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 for me to be, you know, the best JV player. That was not my intention. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be a player, and yes, that happened to be Hispanic. I happened to speak Spanish. It was fine, but sometimes we put those limitations on ourselves. And I think that what I the message I give the audience is. You have to be a professional first and foremost. And whether you were, you know, um, whether you were born in the United States or have a different heritage, the secondary, you know, the 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 in the, the part that I have understood um, for some time is that, you know, I've, I want to believe that every job that I have ever received in these uh, industry has been because of what I have been able to accomplish, what I, I can able to do. I, I don't know that I have ever gotten a job because I am Hispanic or not, but getting a job is not the important part. The important part, welcome for us, is that if you got the job, now you need to maintain that job for the generation that comes after because we have a responsibility, whether you are African-American, whether you are female, whether you're Asian, whether you are Hispanic, you have a responsibility to say, I belong in this room. I belong at this table because tenure is what gives us the right to be there, not to get there. I don't know of many businesses that would have a inferior leader that happens to be of a minority leader if they cannot perform. 
At the end of the day, again, I think that that we, and it's funny because I didn't, you know, in this job more than others, I've actually had to travel and travel more. And actually there was a, a situation where I was traveling through a, a one hotel and we were trying through the housekeeping department and these housekeeping supervisors stopped me and said, you know what, I, I, I heard your story the other day in, in you know, a, a company a webinar and I just want to say how proud I am, right? One of those moments that you realize that somebody now is watching you and those people that are now watching you, you now have a responsibility to do it right for them because they are going to be the ones to say, you know what, if he can get there, if she can get there, then we can too. Now, I'll tell you another, uh, another interesting story is we were looking at our company, putting together the same thing about, you know, Black History Month, and we'll put in the list of uh, associates, um, you know, um, African-American GMs we have. And we were astonished at the amount of African-American GMs that we have. Um, and then we started looking at female GMs. And again, you're talking about combined is more than 50% of our general managers are either female or some uh, level of diversity. That is a vast difference what it was three, four, five years ago. Wow. And I think it started with a lot of people who believe that, you know what, if he can, I can too. And I think that that is what, what I think that, you know, as you get into kind of the later years and your, 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 um, you know, uh, positions where you have some, some ability to influence. That's why I think that we need to be able to prepare the next generation of leaders to say, A, yes, you can, you know, B, you have to outwork and out hustle everybody else in there, but your limitation does not define, is not defined by your heritage. Your limitations are defined by how hard you work. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Can I vote for you for president? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. that's certainly nothing I would not do. <laughs> uh, but this is one also, you know, uh, uh, one of the hardest, you know, things for me, actually back in my days, uh, when again, you know, when I was on property, I had, I started exactly the same, same way you said, you know, I went to school for hospitality, I came to this country, because I wanted to do an internship and improve my English. Uh, 17 years later, I'm still here, right? But hey, you know, you have to appreciate the fact that you work hard, you climb the ladder, and if you're not comfortable in one direction, it's your life. You can change anytime, you know? And I never felt like, you know, oh, if this uh, doesn't work or if I fail, you know, what I'm going to do? I have a home. I can go back to Brazil anytime, you know, but failure for me wasn't an option. So it's like either I work hard and make it happen for me because this is what I chose to be and choose to do. Let's go and move on with our lives, you know. Uh, so, Yahoo, thank you so much. I truly appreciate your time. Any final words for the youngsters or, you know, the folks that are already in hospitality? Yeah, you know, it's a great business. Again, I, I, I love every minute of it. You know, I'll tell you a final story. Um, when I went to college, um, we had over 200 uh, students that we started together. To this day, and you know WhatsApp, right? We have a group in hospitality from that university that there's still 60 of us that are daily on, on, in, on a chat. Um, so about um, 
two weeks ago, one of them posted that he's connected to the university where we all graduated from. Um, and we graduated about 75 of, of us together uh, afterwards. Um, that only eight students had enrolled in the 2023 hotel school. So think about that again. It's been obviously many, many years since, but um, it was an interesting moment to realize that we are not generating enough leaders moving forward. And that to me was a little bit of a sense of sadness to think that, you know what, the industry that I love so much, the industry that, that again, that I have worked all my life, that we are not producing enough people uh, that are coming, you know, coming up through the ranks. And that actually is the same thing. We had the same conversation with, um, you know, Oklahoma State University. I, I live in Dallas. There's a number of, of people that are there from most years so who are connected through the work. And they, they're seeing, again, a decline in students coming in um, um, into the industry. And and I can tell you that if if you were now a, a student and you had no idea what you wanted to do, Think about three, four, five years from now, graduating and having a significant amount of opportunities because people are not signing up for. Your ability to grow, your ability to advance in your career are going to progressively accelerate as you move forward. So we have people that naturally have gone through a hotel business. Again, very few of us are, are came in through, through the, the, the hotel school. Um, but there's a lot of bankers, there's a lot of, you know, digital marketing, there's a lot of business and, and, and sales 